Hello, everyone, and welcome to the October 3rd edition of the Workoff Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with the Floyd Scarron Law Firm. Thanks for joining us today. So let's get started with our litigation report. A case pending in the United States Supreme Court, coupled with some proposed federal regulations, are expected to create disruptions in the healthcare industry. Last May, the U.S. Supreme Court agreed to review the case of Health and Hospital Corporation versus Talavisky, which was brought by the wife of a Medicaid patient with dementia who sued his nursing home, alleging abuse and patient rights violations. The nursing home successfully argued that federal rules for Medicare and Medicaid recipients originate from the government's spending powers and amount to contracts between the government and providers. By that reasoning, individuals cannot sue the facility or provider for the entitlements the program promises. But on appeal, the 7th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals reversed the decision, setting a precedent for a right to sue including situations in which hospitals took states to court over Medicaid reimbursement rates. Now that the U.S. Supreme Court will have the final say in this issue, the outcome could decide if tens of millions of people in public welfare programs can go to court if essentials like health care and food are endangered. Oral argument in the case is set for November 8, 2022. The outcome of the case could extend beyond Medicaid to programs such as the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, Head Start, and many others. The amicus brief filed by the California Advocates for Nursing Home Reform, a nonprofit organization that represents the interests of about 100,000 California nursing home residents and their families. Also, the AARP and a number of other organizations provided a view of arguments in favor of the Supreme Court sustaining the Seventh Circuit Court ruling that allows individual suits against operators. These organizations said that regulatory enforcement alone cannot do the job and has failed to stop many pervasive harms including illegal discharges and chemical restraints. Thus, residents must be able to go to court to enforce their rights themselves. And CalMatters reports on another disruption to the health care delivery system. It says that more than 1.7 million Medi-Cal patients may get a new insurance provider in the coming months as a result of the state's first-ever competitive bidding process. But critics and some providers fear the change will cause major disruptions to medical care. $14 billion worth of Medi-Cal contracts are expected to go to three companies, HealthNet, Molina, and Anthem Blue Cross. And this is down from nine companies that presented the service at the uh, present time. The new contract includes strict new quality standards for patient outcomes and financial penalties for providers that do not meet the goals. But the selections have raised questions about whether the plans can actually meet the new quality standards. Over the past decade, health outcomes and quality metrics have stagnated or gotten worse for Medi-Cal enrollees 
and the three winners of the bid, which have current contracts across two-thirds of the state, maintain spotty track records for patient outcomes. The losing bidders have submitted appeals in more than half the counties where bidding took place, claiming competitors overpromised their Medi-Cal services and that the Department of Healthcare Services implemented an unfair scoring system. One such appeal came from Community Health Group, the largest Medi-Cal provider in San Diego County and one of the highest performing insurance plans in the state. It lost the initial bid to HealthNet and Molina. And now our crime report. Charges have been dropped against three people accused of defrauding the state compensation insurance fund of more than $127,000 in workers' compensation insurance premiums. An El Dorado Superior Court judge dismissed the charges this week during the fourth week of a jury trial. The dismissal came after last-minute evidence surfaced that showed the defendants were acting in good faith on the professional advice of a Roseville insurance agency. The new evidence showed that a representative of the insurance agency advised the defendants in an email that their carpentry company qualified as a new business and thus lower insurance rates from the State Compensation Insurance Fund. After hearing this evidence, the prosecutor said that, in light of the new evidence, the people do not believe it can prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt against these defendants, and then asked the judge to dismiss the case. The three defendants, Troy Williams of Angel Camp, John Allison of Rockland, and Nancy Mormon of Somerset were charged last May with multiple counts of insurance fraud. Before trial, Williams said he was offered a plea deal of paying a $127,000 fine and no jail time if he agreed to plead guilty to misdemeanor charges. Otherwise, he faced a multi-year prison term if found guilty. He rejected the deal and said he was not going to let his own government try to blackmail him into saying he did something he did not do. So he proceeded to a jury trial which ended in the dismissal. So now, while he won't be paying a fine since his case has been dismissed, his legal bills have cost more than $125,000. Authorities had contended that Williams had conspired with John Allison back in 2016 to move his employees to a new company in order to save on workers' comp rates. Mormon was the bookkeeper for both companies. The three defendants had insisted the movement of employees from one company to the other was not to save on workers' compensation rates, but to keep several dozen workers, including uh, in being included employed in case of the death of Troy Williams. Williams had been diagnosed with brain cancer and is currently undergoing treatment. Williams said his business partner, Jay Young, died back in 2016, that he was receiving chemotherapy that prevented him from managing his business adequately. He said he also wanted to reduce his workload and not have any direct employees. 
So Williams said he continued his business without direct employees relying on subcontracted workers from the second company, Allison Development. The Department of Insurance and the El Dorado County District Attorney's Office had contended until this week that it was all a ploy between the three individuals to save on their workers' comp premiums. But the email from the insurance broker Chad Watts that claimed Allison Development could file for workers' comp insurance as a new business, which resulted in lower rates than Archer was paying, Archer was the prior company, confirmed the employer's version of the event. The Labor's Commissioner's Office has cited Angel Connection Nursing Care and Angel Connection Nursing Services for improperly misclassifying 66 home health care workers as independent contractors. They claim Annabelle Ricasada, the owner of Angel Connection Nursing Care, misclassified the employees to avoid paying required wages, workers' comp insurance, and payroll taxes. The two Long Beach-based companies must now pay more than $1.8 million for the wage theft violations, including failure to pay 22 workers overtime wages, nine of whom were also not paid minimum wage. One of the businesses also failed to maintain workers' comp insurance or provide proper itemized wage statements for the misclassified employees. The Labor Commissioner's Office opened its investigation after receiving a referral from the Filipino Workers' Center and Bet-Tizek Legal Services. The company owners are jointly and severally liable for more than $1 million due uh, due to the workers. The California Department of Insurance announced the arrest of 71-year-old Rene Carlos Arguero and 56-year-old Gustavo Adolfo Lopez for allegedly submitting fraudulent vocational training vouchers for workers' comp claims and failing to provide the training at the for-profit school they run, Computer Institute of Technology, which has facilities in North Hollywood and in the city of Bell. Many of the injured workers were Spanish speakers who were asked to sign documents in English which they did not understand and could not read. Arguero and Lopez were charged with 18 felony counts, including conspiracy, insurance fraud, grand theft, and forgery. The fraudulent insurance claims are estimated to reach $1.7 million. Arguero and Lopez submitted fraudulent documents to nine different insurance carriers and billed for services not rendered to recipients of the Supplemental Job Displacement Benefits, that's SJDB, voucher, which is typically between six dollars and $10,000. Injured workers can use the non-transferable vouchers to pay for educational retraining or skill enhancement at state-approved or accredited schools. The company allegedly forged injured workers' signatures on vocational school documents such as enrollment agreements, vouchers, and contracts. And in some cases, injured workers were asked to sign blank documents with no explanation. On one occasion, the school sent an invoice for payment and an enrollment agreement to an insurance carrier, 
with a signature and initials purportedly made by the injured worker, despite the fact the injured worker had died nearly five months prior to the date on the enrollment agreement. Many injured workers were made to believe they were enrolled in a legitimate school, but never received or completed any training. The Department of Industrial Relations Division of Workers' Compensation Anti-Fraud Unit suspended 178 medical providers during the first eight months of 2022. Providers are suspended from the workers' comp system when they have been convicted of fraud-related crimes, have been suspended from the Medicare or Medicaid programs due to fraud or abuse, or have lost their professional license. Since 2017, a total of 649 providers have been suspended from participating in California's work comp system. The DWC has also initiated new lien consolidation cases estimated at $75 million for those providers that were convicted of fraud-related crime in 2022. During the lien hearings, medical providers have an opportunity to prove the billing is legitimate, but if the providers are unable to produce such evidence, the liens are dismissed. A total of 63,000 liens have been dismissed since 2017, with a value of nearly $775 million. There are currently 86 criminally charged providers, with 516,000 liens designated as stayed. The stays prevent criminally charged providers from seeking payment for their liens while the criminal case is pending. A Southern California doctor who participated in an illegal prescription scheme that defrauded the state Medi-Cal program of over $20 million has changed his plea to guilty. The doctor, Mohammed El Nashif, MD, admitted he took part in an illicit drug prescription operation and prescribed medically unnecessary HIV medications, antipsychotics, and opioids over a thousand medical, to over a thousand medical beneficiaries in the Los Angeles and Orange County area. The medications he authorized were not kept or used by these beneficiaries, but instead diverted to the illegal market for cash. In March 2020, he was charged with a half dozen felony counts with sentencing enhancement allegations for aggravated white-collar crime. He was accused of helping two convicted felons, Steve Fleming and Oscar Abrams, in a scheme to obtain expensive pharmaceuticals that were sold on the illicit market. This week, El Nachif pled guilty in the Orange County Superior Court to one count of insurance fraud, one count of aiding and abetting the unauthorized practice of medicine. He is required to pay $2.3 million in restitution and surrender his medical license, and his sentencing is set for August 1, 2023. El Nashif served as a prescriber at two clinics, one in Anaheim and the other in Los Angeles, and was recruited by individuals who were involved in illegally selling these medications. These individuals solicited Medi-Cal recipients with the promise of cash payments to pose as patients, 
and in turn, El Nashif agreed to prescribe these patients the medically unjustified medications. The selected drugs were among those with the highest street value. The pharmacies billed Medi-Cal for their medications, which would ultimately end up in the hands of the individuals who recruited El Nashif, who then sold the drugs for cash. And El Nashif received cash payments for each day he wrote these prescriptions. And in regulatory news, annually, California employers spend more than $15 billion for insurance to cover workers' comp claims, not counting billions more that large employers set aside in self-insurance funds for their state-mandated coverage. And there is more or less perpetual political jousting over the rules governing who is eligible for benefits and what they can receive and the politics of work comp have followed a pattern for the last half century. About once a decade, a majority of the contending interests, employers, their insurers, labor unions, medical care providers, and lawyers who specialize in making claims, agree on some reforms that are then muscled through the California legislature. The last time it occurred was a decade ago when then-Governor Jerry Brown tightened up medical care that both lowered employers' costs and provided funds for cash benefit increases. It worked as intended, or perhaps better than intended, because work comp insurance premiums have since dropped substantially. California's premiums have been among the nation's highest, according to the most recent state-by-state -state compilation by the Oregon Department of Consumer and Business Services, the recognized authority on such data. But with California's recent reductions, California is now somewhere in the middle of the list. That's been good news for California employers, but greats on medical care providers who disliked the previous overhaul's restrictions and on labor unions and work comp lawyers who believe that employers got the best of the deal. Pressure has been building for another decennial, decennial reform, but Governor Newsom has reportedly urged the contending factions to wait until the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic have been fully understood. The Insurance Rating Bureau says that more than a quarter million claims for pandemic-related disabilities have been made, with more than half coming from the healthcare and public safety sectors. During the pandemic, the legislature and Governor Newsom issued some special rules making it easier to claim benefits, and their effect on the system's finances is still being calculated. Meanwhile, the legislature has been chipping away at aspects of the last systemic overhaul, particularly on what's called a presumption. Certain workers, such as police and fire personnel, can claim benefits for specified illnesses and injuries without having to provide that they are job-related. And bills have been expanding both of the categories of workers and the types of disabilities that qualify. One example. Three years ago, legislation declared that post-traumatic stress disorder is presumed to be job-related for police officers and local firefighters. And this month, Governor Newsom signed a bill extending that presumption to state-employed firefighters and dispatchers for public safety agencies. 
The proliferation of such bills is increasing the pressure for a new systemic overhaul, but the makeup of the dominant coalition and what changes it will seek are still very unsettled. The State Bar is investigating attorney Mark John Gariagos and Brian Stephen Kabatek in connection with the Armenian Genocide Insurance Settlement Fund disbursements, which were made in the U.S. and France. Attorney Garagos is best known as a criminal defense lawyer, having represented such celebrity clients as Michael Jackson, Winona Ryder, Chris Brown, and Jesse Smollett. Kabadek is a plaintiff's attorney having represented a number of surviving families of victims in the Lion Air Flight 610 crash of 2018 and Los Angeles ratepayers in the Department of Water and Power billing scandal. He is also a former president of the L.A. County Bar Association. Both lawyers are Armenian Americans. Kabatek, Karagos, and a third Armenian-American lawyer, Vart. Vartikis Yahigyan filed two class action actions against insurance companies on behalf of families of victims of the Armenian genocide over unpaid life insurance claims. The suits were resolved for a combined $37.5 million. But, as a Los Angeles Times article laid out in a lengthy investigation published this year, Numerous victims' descendants, as well as churches, never got the money they were owed. According to the Times, before he died in 2017, Yeghagyan claimed Garagos and Kabatek had splurged on first-class travel and treated the descendants' money as petty cash. Garagos and Kabatek Meanwhile, have blamed others for the misappropriated funds, including Yeghayan, whom they sued in 2011. Now the State Bar investigation seeks to determine whether there is a basis for filing a notice of disciplinary charges. An attorney who is subject of an investigation has a right to a fair hearing and must be presumed innocent of any misconduct, warranting discipline until any charges have been proven in a proceeding before the state bar court. In a phone interview, Attorney Garago said he was infuriated by the announcement. The State Bar of California is still reeling from the attorney Tom Girardi scandal in which the bar was badly implicated. Girardi was another prominent plaintiff's attorney and famously married to Real Housewives of Beverly Hills star Erica Jane. He has been accused of stealing tens of millions of dollars from his clients, including some families of the Lion Air crash. A Los Angeles Times investigation found that Girardi was able to avoid discipline for decades and hide his misdeeds in part by befriending judges and key figures in the Bar Association. And in medical news, less than half of the 139,000 licensed physicians in California are actively engaged in providing patient care. Of this number, only 32% are primary care physicians. 
The distribution of physicians also varies greatly by region, with the San Joaquin Valley, inland empire, and rural areas suffering the greatest shortages. A number of initiatives, including loan forgiveness and expanded residency programs, have focused on improving this situation, but it is still not expected that there will be enough primary care physicians to meet the need for health care in California. One of the top recommendations from the California Health Workforce Commission, after it spent a year looking at how to improve California's ability to meet workforce demands, was to allow full practice authority for nurse practitioners. The California legislature responded in 2020 by passing AB 890. A nurse practitioner, or NP, is a registered nurse who has additionally earned a postgraduate nursing degree such as a master's or doctorate degree and obtained a certificate from a certifying body. At the state level, the Board of Registered Nursing, that's BRN, sets the educational standards for a nurse practitioner certification. As a result of their additional training, nurse practitioners tend to perform additional functions through standardized procedures than does a registered nurse. Nurse practitioners also have specific authorization to furnish controlled substances and medical devices under standardized procedures, except that some of them must include patient-specific protocols approved by a treating or supervising physician. The passage of AB 890 will allow them to perform certain standardized procedures now without physician supervision. However, the new law could not have any effect until the Board of Registered Nurses provided suitable regulations. So this September, the California Board released a Notice of Proposed Action to implement the new law into the California Code of Regulations. The Board of Registered Nurses has not scheduled a public hearing on this proposed rulemaking. The Board will, however, hold a hearing if it receives a timely written request for a public hearing from any interested person. From the standpoint of California workers' compensation claims, the implementation of this new law will in essence relieve some of the shortage of physicians, presumably adding services available for injured workers and lowering the costs of care. It is possible that the labor code could be later amended to define if and how nurse practitioners can directly be involved in the care of an injured worker. And in other industry news, Simply Business LLC, a Boston-based digital insurance agency focused on small businesses, announced the launch of a partnership with by Burke Business Insurance, a Berkshire Hathaway company, to offer workers' compensation products online to small business owners in the United States. By Burke is a small business insurance company that's part of the Berkshire Hathaway Insurance Group. All of the company's major insurance subsidiaries are rated A++ by AM Best Company. The offering is currently available to small business owners in Washington, D.C. and all 46 states where private carriers are eligible to operate. Through this new partnership, 
small business owners can receive a buy Burke workers' comp quote through the Simply Business website. They also have the option to digitally bind policies and speak to a licensed insurance agent to ensure that the coverage they've selected best meets the needs of their businesses. Simply Business says it is changing the way small business owners find the business insurance by offering customers tailored insurance coverage online. The company began in the United Kingdom and expanded to the United States in 2017. Now, with over 850,000 customers globally, Simply Business says it has become a leader in the space through its commitment to a customer-first model focusing heavily on simplicity, choice, and value. However, the company would seem to share some of that space with Palo Alto-based Next Insurance. Next also claims to provide small business insurance with simple, digital, and affordable coverage. It offers policies that it says are easy to buy and provides 24-7 access to to live certificates of insurance additional insured documentation, and more with no extra fees. This month, Next Insurance announced a partnership with Intuit QuickBooks accounting platform. QuickBooks is the accounting software of choice for more than 29 million small businesses in the U.S. They have over 80% market share. It does seem clear that newer and easier technologies are the emergent model for placing workers' comp insurance with at least small business owners. So that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and special reports using your iPhone, iPad, or Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. And we also publish our daily news, our podcast, and other utilities on our free WorkCompApps.com smartphone app. Again, I'm Renee Foles with Floyd Scarin, Manukian Langevin. Thanks for joining us today. Please drop by again next week for more news. <music>